You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, this summer we've been studying the book of Genesis, chapter 37 through 50 is kind of the the chapters that we're reading, looking at the life of Joseph, and we've called the series The Test. Everyone say The Test. I actually reread the, uh, the verses, uh, all the chapters this last week, kind of from 37 all the way through 50, because it's such an important uh, message and an important story. And within that, we see dreams from Joseph and others. We see the character development that happens for Joseph. And really, as we've looked at the life of Joseph week in and week out already, we've noticed that character building was needed to fulfill God's plan, his dream and uh, his destiny for Joseph. And the same is true for every single one of us. And we've looked at a lot of these already. We looked at the pride test, uh, where that's when the dream comes. What do we do with that? The pit test is when Satan attacks. And how many know he will attack? And he attacks over and over at times. The palace test was a test of stewardship, saying, okay, when I'm receiving responsible for someone else's stuff, what do I do? You work is unto the Lord. I love that. Then we looked at the purity test, looking at our bodies and and temptation, and we said victory is possible in Jesus' name. And then last week we looked at the prison test. What happens when you do all the right things and you get the wrong results? And that's exactly what happened to Joseph. He gets thrown into prison, falsely accused. And um, I was thinking about this, and we've looked at all these different things that have happened to Joseph. And you might read the story, and there might be a cynic in the crowd, and I'm not pointing any fingers. And you might say, well, was it really that bad for Joseph? Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm curious. Uh, come and tell me after. If, if there was anyone that's thought that, like, was oh, it really that bad? Well, Psalm 105, verses 17 through 19, kind of shows us how bad it was. It's, this is God's plan for the Israelites. It says, and then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Verse 18, they bruised his feet with fetters. They placed his neck in an iron collar, and until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. And that's exactly what's happened as we've looked through these weeks. And the opportunities for character development just kept on coming. And today, uh, we're going to see, instead of what happens when bad things happen, when injustice and temptation and Satan attacks and pride, today we're going to turn the corner and say, okay, how do we respond to something good in our lives? And for Joseph, it was 13 years in the making. Blessings came And we're going to see the turn. And what's interesting is that the blessing required responsibility. And responsibility requires character. And that sets up what we're going to talk about today, the power test. Everyone say the power test. And this is based loosely on the book by Robert Morris, From Dream to Destiny. encourage you to get your mind around that if you haven't already. But before we get into the power test, uh, I want you to know I have a confession. I am 
a power type guy. I, I like big engines. I always have uh, big trucks, fast cars, fast motorcycles. I, I was asking our team at the huddle before first service how many have uh, drove a Tesla. And there was actually two people in our, in our group that's serving today that have uh, drove a Tesla. Well, I've not drove a Tesla, but uh, two weeks ago now, I had the opportunity to drive an all-electric VWID.4. I think that's how you say it. And, um, and the friend of mine that allowed me to drive it, he's like, come on, man, get on it. And I'm like, are you sure? Because I can get on it. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, man, punch it, baby. And I'm like, okay. And so I, I took this thing for a ride. And, uh, man, it was fast. And it's a hard to believe an electric car could be so fast. But I'm the type of guy, uh, when Jessica and I, we, we like to go down in Grand Haven, and we like to sit on the grass there and just watch the boats go by or whatever. And, um, you yeah, know, we have a good time. And I'm the guy that every time a big truck or a uh, fancy car goes by, I'm always like, whoa, what is that? Or a motorcycle goes by, I'm like, huh, right? Like, am I, is that the right? I'm always distracted. I might be a little ADHD. I'm not sure. But um, partly because I have found myself in a spot where I don't have a real motorcycle. I just have a scooter. And I do ride my scooter a lot. I actually rode it all the way to camp this week and back. And I got caught in the rain on the way back. But don't feel too bad for me because I did this to myself. See, in 2011... Uh, if you go back a few years, I used to ride sport bikes, and some of you might remember that. I used to shave my head because I always had a motorcycle helmet on, and uh, I love, I'd ride five or 6,000 miles every summer, and the faster the better. And uh, I was doing a, a day at the track out at Grattan. It's a 2.1 twisty track, and I, late in the afternoon, I totaled my motorcycle. I laid it down. I, I was learning to drag my knee, goes, you know, push the limits right up my alley, and, uh, and I came home from that day, and I told Jessica, this is honest to truth, that I would not ride a motorcycle until she thought it was a good idea. And that was 11 years. <laughs> and I'm, I'm telling the truth, am I? But we had a breakthrough this last week. I told you that we uh, like to sit down at the lake around the channel in Grand Haven, and we were doing that. We're just watching the boats go by, and there was this massive boat. It had to be 50 or 60 feet, brand new. I mean, it was, it was not an old boat. I mean, it was gorgeous yacht, I would call it. It comes by, and Jessica, you know, sometimes we dream. She said, she said Ben, get me one of those. And I said, I said yes, ma'am. And I said, I, but I said, if I can get you a yacht like that, could I buy a motorcycle? And she said, Yes. And so now you know what I'm praying for. <laughs> a yacht, baby. You bring it on. <laughs> but I'm not here to talk about my yacht um, that I can see in the future, in my future motorcycle again. But I'm here to talk about the power test. Everyone say the power test. And the power test has to deal with how to respond to success, how you respond when you're given power or authority or influence, or when God blesses your life, what do you do with that? And what you and I do in those situations is a true test of character. You will be tested by success. 
And in Joseph's story, he's in prison. He interprets some dreams, and then he's forgotten. That's chapter 41, or chapter 40. And then it seems all of a sudden, although it's not all of a sudden, God's hand is in it all, there's a turnaround event for Joseph, and that's where we want to pick up the story. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 41, verse 1. It says, Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. And then for the next seven verses, it tells the story or this dream that Pharaoh has. Verse 8, we'll pick it up there. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by his dreams. So he called for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell them what it meant. That's important. I got that underlined. Then verse 9, finally the chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. And then he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. And then verse 14, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once and was quickly brought out of prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. And then I encourage you to read the whole account. It's too long to get our mind around all of it. But it's like Joseph is pulled up out of the minor leagues, right? Or maybe out of the prison leagues. And, uh, but Joseph there interprets the dreams of Pharaoh, both dreams. And then he's a bold character. He throws in some advice. It's a bold move. I'm thinking if I'm Joseph, I'd do the bare minimum. But no, Joseph goes above and beyond. He gives Pharaoh advice at that moment. And then in verse 37, it says, Joseph's suggestions or his advice was well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man who obviously is filled with the Spirit of God? That's important. We'll talk about that in a second. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dream to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all the people will, will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Talk about authority. Talk about real power. I mean, Joseph is put into a situation with power. Verse 41 says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring, put it on the hand, and placed it on Joseph's finger. And he dressed him in the fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride the chariot reserved for the second in command. And then when I read this, I, I've read this story lots. This week it really caught me off guard. Listen to what it, whenever Joseph, wherever he went, the command was shouted. Kneel down for Joseph. So Joseph, or so Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. This is amazing. And Pharaoh said to him, I am the Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or a foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. I mean, what a story. What a turn of event from the pit to the, to the palace, to the prison, back into the king's presence. And it's interesting that all three, Potiphar, the jailer, and Pharaoh, all recognize the Spirit of God. Look at it, verse 38. And can anyone find a man like this who's obviously filled with the Spirit of God? And it just may, it challenges me. I want to be the type of person 
that people see the Spirit of God resting on my life. I hope you're that type of person. Can people see the Spirit of God in you? So let's talk about the power test. Where, first of all, where does power come from? Does it, does it just come out of thin air? Does it, is it just by accident? Is it just luck? No. Psalm 62 verse 11 says this, God has spoken plainly. I've heard it many times, it says. It says, oh God, or power, oh God, belongs to you. In other words, all power is from God. God is all-powerful, Scripture teaches us. He's all-sufficient. He's all-knowing. I put in my notes, he's all-everything. And I know that doesn't really make sense, but that's the way I wrote it. Everyone say, all-everything. He is. And the answer to where does power come from, it's God. He was the creator, right? He's the owner of it all. But he welcomes us into his plan, and we work in conjunction with God, but it's still God, the one who blesses, and it's still his power at work in us. We'll see that as we move through the day. Genesis chapter 1, at the very beginning of time, says, so God created Human beings in his own image. In his image, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then verse 28 says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it, or have authority over it, or have power over it. Reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground. The point is, God is the one who gave the power. It was all his to give. And in the story of Joseph, uh, Wearsby, one of the uh, commentators I love to read, it says this, it was God who gave Pharaoh the two dreams. It was God who reminded the cupbearer about Joseph. It was God who led Pharaoh to summon Joseph. It's God. It's God's hand throughout. It's God's power. And Joseph understood this. In the story, chapter 41, verse 16, it says, this is Joseph. He's called in and he says, they're they're like, hey, interpret the dream. And look what his response is. He says, it is beyond my power to do this. Joseph says, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Where does power come from? It comes from the Lord. It comes from God. But the second question I have is not only what it, what it, where does power come from, what is the purpose of power? Like, what, do we, what should we do with it? And we get an insight in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And there's a conjunction with the Holy Spirit and power there that's important. And so get Jesus... Uh, was given power by God to do the things he did. And what did Jesus do? It says, Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Interesting. So in Joseph's case, God did not give Joseph power just for Joseph for his own sake. And the same is true for with Jesus. Jesus received power from on high, and what did he do? What was on his mind? People were on Jesus' mind. In fact, God's heart is always for people, and because of that, God's power is always given 
to help people. In fact, every time you're promoted by God or we're in a position over someone or something, it's always given because of people. Think about it. God has someone in mind, someone who has a need, someone needs to be ministered to, and God gives the authority and the influence to meet that need because he loves people. And that's Joseph's story. And now in the story, it goes on in uh, verse 53. The famine that was predicted from Pharaoh's dreams actually is fulfilled. It happens. Uh, look, we'll pick it up in verse 53. It says, at last, the seven years of the bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end. So there was seven good years. And then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. And the famine also struck all the surrounding countries. But throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food because Joseph was put in charge and he monitored the food. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So, with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was so severe throughout the land of Egypt, and people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. So what I picture here, it's jo- in the story, the reason Joseph was put in charge was for the people. God knew that. In fact, I want you to get your mind around this next slide. We've got God on the left side, people on the right side. So on the right side, we've got God who's all-powerful. He's all-supply. He's all-knowledge, all-sufficient. He owns it all. He's all-everything, right? I know it sounds weird, but that's the way I've got it written. He, in, in, in other words, unlimited power on the left. On the right side, it's people, people's needs, our needs, your needs, right? All of our needs, uh, the need of salvation, the need of healing, those that are hungry. I don't know if you know this, but there was a family two weeks ago on a Sunday morning. Their house was burned, total loss. They left church. Their daughter was calling them and, and uh, left home, and their house was on fire, completely burned up. And, uh, and so that, that need would be included on this for sure. But not only physical needs, spiritual needs, brokenness, addictions, uh, missionaries that need to be sent, clean water. In the story, it's the famine of the people of Egypt. All that need is there. And I want you to see what's in the middle between God and the people. It's Joseph. Joseph becomes the conduit for people to meet the needs of millions of people. He's a conduit for God to meet these people. And you say, well, why? Why is it Joseph? Why is Joseph there? Was it, why was he trusted? What's so important about Joseph? Well, he's in the middle, and he had, it wasn't just his good looks, right? Or that he was extra smart, or just in the right place at the right time. No, God had a plan, and he had passed a lot of character tests to get to this point. The question I'm asking is, how do we receive this power like Joseph? We receive it. It's not in the way you might think. Because the Bible often turns things upside down. In the Bible, if you want authority, you need to be under authority. If you want to live, it's, the Bible says you must die. If you want to receive, you need to give. 
with God, it seems backwards. So if you want to have power, you must give up the right to power. And James chapter 4, verse 10 talks about that. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in due time. See, it's not a bad thing to desire power. In fact, I would say we were all image bearers. We we're created in the image of God. read that earlier. And there's a desire for power in each of us. It's human nature. We're hardwired to want to rule and to have dominion over things. We all have the desire for power. If you don't believe me, uh, you know, watch a little girl uh, playing Barbies, right? And uh, she is controlling all the things that happen right around there. And it's not a negative thing. That desire comes from the Lord. But how do we receive power? Again, let's look at 1 Peter uh, 5. It says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He empowers the humble. He helps us. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. And that's exactly what happened in the story for Joseph. See, the key to real power is humility. I don't know if you saw that coming, but it goes back to the first test. And what's interesting to me is Joseph started off humble, and he stayed humble. He started off humble, and he stayed humble. And I was thinking, you know, I, back in, when I was 16 years old, I took a job at the Atrium Cafe. It was a fancy restaurant. It was so fancy that I, I, they didn't call me a busboy. They called me a DRA a dining room attendant. Oh, yeah. I had to wear a tuxedo shirt. I had to wear a black bow tie, black pants, and they were always, they wanted my shoes to be nice and clean. I don't remember why that. And it was the type of restaurant that the busboys didn't carry around a big tub and just throw everything in the tub. We had to carry around trays like this. And, uh, and I, when I first started, I was terrified because every glass, the water glasses were like, they had stems on them. I'm not sure what you call those, uh, but they were like wa water or wine glasses, but they're water glasses. Then they had wine glasses. Every table had, uh, we had to set the water and a wine glass and all the whatever. But, um, and, and I would have to carry that stuff around on a tray like this. And I started off pretty humble and pretty careful, a little nervous. But as time went on, oh, this little tray became one with me. And I started spinning the tray. And I would just spin the tray all over. I'd even throw the tray up and catch it. I mean, I was, I, I mean, I was, I was having a good time. And I, I got comfortable, got a little cocky. And then not only did we have trays like this, we had bigger trays that you'd set down. And we weren't allowed to clear the table only on these trays. And so you'd have a tray, you put all the uh, heavy plates near your shoulder, and then all the glassware, whatever. And at first, I'm telling you, the first time I go down to get this thing, I'm thinking, this is not a good idea. But the longer you do it, your, your fingers get strong, you're, you're doing it, you're making it. And I got a little overconfident. And I, one day, piled up the big tray with plates, extra double high, glasses all around, and I get under that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. And I'm just doing my thing, 
and making my way and trying to be fast about it. And I don't know if there was a bump in the carpet or I just had clumsy feet at the moment. But I tripped. And I'm telling you, the sound that came from that tray hitting the ground and there was an atrium, it was called the Atrium Cafe, 12 or 13 or 14 floors high. It was, it just reverberated. And, I, and I'm telling you, I was like, oh my goodness. Um, it, it was bad. And my boss was like, no more spinning those stupid plates, <laughs> you know, and uh, pay attention. And uh, anyway, I was going to say, did anybody want to uh, see if they could spin the tray longer than me? Any, any takers? And then I was telling Pastor Doug that, and, uh, and I said, well, there were no takers for service. And I thought, well, I'll ask. And, and I said, but if anyone comes, I'm going to beat them. And then he says, God's still working on you with your pride, I see. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm not even going to offer it this time. But anyway, so we'll say that for another day. We'll do it out back. All right. But Joseph started off humble. He finished humble. And that's the point. And God promoted him. God, Joseph understood the power he had access to, and he also understood the why behind it. Joseph used his power to help people. And that's what we're, you're going to see here in just a minute. But before we get there, De- Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 through 18. Let me read it, and then I'll try to explain it. It says, He did all this so that you will never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Instead, verse 18, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. In order to fulfill the covenant, he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. And so there's two things here. One is we should remember it's all God. He's where the power comes from, right? He's the one who gives you the power to be successful. In order, then it says, to fulfill his covenant. And the covenant that he's talking about is the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Going back in history, the oath that, that God promised, right? And what does this covenant have to do with? With people. And the same is true for us. The covenant equals people. Power is not given to us just so we can get a bigger office or that we can boss more people around. It's not given to us so we can buy a bigger boat, although if I get a yacht and then a motorcycle, I'm okay with that. Can I get an amen? Hey. First service, there were no amens. It was like dead. I'm like, hey, all right. Okay, I get it. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. But I'm not kidding. But all right, all right. We'll talk about that later. But God, God doesn't give you power just so you can get nicer stuff or have an easier life. No. We remain humble in order for God to use us as a conduit to meet needs. And we must remain humble when we achieve success, when God blesses us. That's when we experience this power test. How do we respond? How should we? We stay humble. We give God the glory. Just real quick, Joseph, he did this perfectly. Fast forward a couple chapters. We're going to hit this in two weeks, uh, but I want to give you a sneak peek. Genesis 45, verse 5. This is Joseph talking to his brothers after he, uh, the exchange, if you know the story. Otherwise, you'll get it in a couple weeks. He says, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for 
selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Verse 8, similar idea. So it was God who sent me. It wasn't you. He is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. And this is where the true test of character came. And uh, we're going to see it in a couple weeks. But for today, I want you to get a picture of this, that there's God, there's people, and you are right in the middle. So God is the all-powerful, all-supply, all-everything. He's unlimited power. On the right side is the people with all the needs, and the needs could be great. The need for clean, fam- or clean water, the need for relationship, brokenness, addiction, uh, spiritual needs, physical needs, healings, salvation, all of those things there. And I want you to see that you are right in the middle. You are the conduit of power. The conduit, and this is a piece of conduit that was left over from uh, our last church, actually. But I wanted you to see that you are the conduit. Some of you might be like, well, what about the angels? Aren't they doing their work? Well, yeah, they do their work. In fact, in my Bible reading this week, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, talks about entertaining angels. But no, it's you. You're the conduit. You're the one that has the opportunity You're the one given the authority or the influence or the position. You're the one in the mentoring spot. You're the volunteer that serves and the power of God works through you. You're the prayer warrior. You're the intercessor. You're the one that gives the spiritual, God's spiritual gifts work through you. You become the conduit. Just two weeks ago, there's a lady in our church She's 93 years old. She's here, second service. Her name is Dee. And she's right back here. Just give us a little wave. This is Dee. Everyone say hi to Dee. She doesn't drive anymore, so she drives the Harbor Transit to come. And I missed her. She wasn't here last week, but she said, well, at her place, they once a month, uh, they do a service. A pastor comes in, and she said, I want to be a part of that community. At my, and I was like, you should be. I mean, I love it. But two weeks ago, she comes in, and she's sensing something from the Lord. This is remarkable. And I heard about this last week, and then I was looking for you. You didn't show up, but, uh, but I talked with you between services, and Dee was used by God. The Lord gave her a word for Chris and Carrie Burr, who were sitting right across the aisle. And Dee took the power of God. She was the conduit and ministered to a person in need and spoke some things into Chris. And when he told me he had tears in his eyes, God used you. And I I told Dee, I'm like, Dee, how did you even know? She just said, the Lord kind of prompted me. She said, I just was bold. And then Dee says, "I, I don't want any credit for this. She says, it's all the Lord. And she didn't even know what our message was all about. That's what I'm talking about. It's you and me being the conduit. It's you running with Team World Vision. It's God's power that will provide the clean water, but you're the vehicle to make that happen. It's you in the center providing. We have over 100 heroes with City Serve. God is the powerful. He will, he's the one that provides. City Serve is the vehicle through you, through the hero to meet the needs. That's how it works. 
And by the way, this last week, we got another shipment in, and it's always fun when the first shipment comes in or the every month when it comes in. There's always great stuff. And I want to just challenge every single hero here that this week we should, we should mess up the CityServe volunteers so bad with so many orders. Come on, and I'm talking to myself, but it's time to order again. Do it because God wants to use you as a conduit. You become the first responder. I was saying first service, and uh, I've got, I'm going to just take my time. Doug, you don't want this to end anyway, right? Yeah, okay, good. But uh, I was saying, I visited camp. Pastor Sean and Renissa were in their element this last week with your kids. I mean, it was awesome. We are so blessed to have them. I, 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 I just, I, it, was, it was awesome. In fact, after junior high camp, and uh, everybody knows junior hires are harder than senior hires. I mean, it's just the fact of life, right? Uh, but after junior high camp, uh, Pastor, and we took four students, right? And, uh, but Pastor Sean comes back, and I'm like, hey, how was it? You know, whatever. And he's like, it was awesome week. He says, I can't wait to go back. And I'm like, that's, that's my man. I love it. But anyway, I saw Sean and Renissa in action in the mud pit this week. And they play a game called Beastie Ball where you take four inner tubes and you get inside. Guys, you remember. And, uh, and so they look like a sumo guy. You can hardly move around in the mud pit. I mean, it's a humiliating position for anybody. And then they send kids running as fast as they can to bump you and to, to try to make a ball and whatever. It, it's, a, it's a fun game. I wish I could have played, but uh, whatever. Uh, they didn't let me. But, uh, but Sean's in there. He's taking hits. Renis is in there, and they send this girl that is beefy and strong. I mean, she, she looked like she could have played uh, NFL football uh, and just nails Renissa. It was like, whoa! And then she just takes it in stride. And, uh, but I think it was the next time up, they send this little girl, and she does this little juke or whatever. And now I'm elaborating because I told the story first service, and, and Renissa said I told it wrong. So I'm really making it, I'm really blowing it up here. But, but anyway, Renissa, uh, in, the, in the mud, slipped. It wasn't the kid, but it slipped and, like, twisted her knee and lays down. And in that moment, what happened was so beautiful. First of all, the first words out of my mouth were, oh, Jesus. And, uh, I mean, that's the right thing to say, right? You call on the name of Jesus. Um, but then the, as we surrounded the, the mud pit, we prayed. I don't know if you even noticed. Uh, we, we, the, the group prayed, and, and, uh, and Sean was right there, got in the mud with her. And, um, but anyway, but I believe as a first responder, we should be the one that brings the name of Jesus when there's trouble. Amen? And uh, that's what we did for Renissa. And thank the Lord. She walked in today. I said, hey, how are you feeling? She said, a lot better. And so praise the Lord for that. But you become the first responder. You speak the name of Jesus all the time. It's you with being the walking billboard for God's power. You be the blessing to be a blessing, right? You're blessed to be a blessing. You are the one who's given more responsibility. You stay humble. You keep your character in check, and God will continue to give you opportunities to meet needs. That's how it works. You're a conduit, a conduit. Now, Sorry, I, I picked up the conduit earlier this service. Then I, I told, I told Doug. I said, when I pick up the conduit, you come and be ready. 
Yeah, yeah, but no, we're right there now. This is when I was supposed to pick up the conduit. <laughs> so you're wondering, why are they just all here? Sorry about that. Andy, you feeling okay back there? Okay, sorry. Yeah, he's sitting down. Ben, you all right? I know you're okay, Matt. You don't want this to end either. And uh, how about Melissa stepping in? She wasn't even supposed to lead a, lead a song today. And uh, someone was sick, and she just stepped up. Way to go. Way to be the conduit. So anyway, what was I saying? I don't remember. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. The conduit. Yeah. You pray for God to use you, right, as a conduit. And by the way, this is what my notes say. I'm just going to stick my notes here. There's nothing special about conduit. In fact, this building is lined with hundreds, if not thousands of feet of conduit carrying power from the power box or the breaker box to outlets all over, all over the stage. They're black. You can't see them up here, but there's power everywhere, all along the walls, uh, in the kids' room. I mean, everywhere there's power. Uh, you, uh, Sam, you're an electrician. You understand this, but there's nothing special about this particular conduit. In fact, it would be foolish if we walked around and said, hey, look at my conduit. If we built this building and the conduit was on the outside of the, of the wall and we just left it all bare, we'd be like, that place is messed up, like they did it wrong, right? The point is you hide the conduit, and the same thing is true with us. When God has a power, he works through us. We should not be seen. It's God who should be seen, but we bring the power to the people to meet needs. Can I get an amen? There's one verse, one final verse that I wanted to read. I ended the service last week with it, and I want to end it with it here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Paul. It says, each time he said, that's Jesus actually saying this, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ, right? That's God can work through me. That's why I can take pleasure in my weakness and in insults and in hardship and persecution and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That was Paul's story. And it's our story. And in Joseph's story, it was a 13 years of getting knocked down from the dreams to this point where he's now stepping into his destiny. And we want to end today with a song that kind of captures that. It's been a theme song for this series. The song is called Victory. And there's a point in the song that says, there's power in the name of Jesus. And when we sing that together, I want you to sing that with gusto. But there's also a point in the song that really describes Joseph's plight. It says that what, what the enemy meant for evil, God has churned it for good. And what the enemy, what his brothers meant for evil, what others threw him in prison meant for evil, now God is using for good. And the same thing can happen for us when we learn these character tests. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to just pray for us, and then we're going to sing and close the service. Lord, I thank you for this morning for this afternoon, Lord, that we can uh, just uh, identify what you are doing 
in and through our lives. And God, I just pray that your power would be made perfect through our weakness. Use us, God. Choose us to be a conduit in Jesus' name. And God, we, Lord, we pray that we are, even though we're powerless, we have strength in you. And so, Lord, we worship you now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you, God, that you use us as a conduit between you and the people that you're trying to reach, the people you're trying to get healing to, God, the people you're trying to provide for, whatever it is, God, just like our sweet sister who was obedient and gave a word of life to those across the hall from her, the aisle from her. Lord, may we be obedient to whatever you're calling us to, God that we may truly give words of life, literally life from heaven. Lord, the world is in so need of that. God, use us as your conduit, God, for your power, for your glory, for your presence, God, in these people's lives. And when you move through us, God, we're going to know it. (laughs) Lord, I pray that we would be obedient to your voice. And the way we hear it, we would move how you want to move, God, not questioning where you're leading us or where you're guiding us or directing us. God would say, yes, Lord, here I am. Use me. Thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Have a good week this week as you go forth and are used by the Lord, not just like next week or two weeks from now or a month from now, but this afternoon on your way home. Look for a a place that you can be a conduit for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.